Welcome to In Social Work, the podcast series of the University of Buffalo School of Social Work at www.insocialwork.org. We're glad you could join us today. The purpose of In Social Work is to engage practitioners and researchers in lifelong learning and to promote research to practice and practice to research. We educate, we connect, we care. We're In Social Work. Hi from Buffalo. Students and faculty at all levels are returning for the new academic year. And here in Buffalo, that means a tiny bit more traffic, lots of talk about football, cool, crisp nights, perfect for rest, and we're all squeezing in last minute warm weather activities into our schedules. I'm Peter Sabota. A scientist no less than Albert Einstein once said, not everything that can be counted counts, and not everything that counts can be counted. In this episode, our guests, Dr. Gina Nastas and Dr. Cynthia Franklin, bring forth a discussion about how our profession attempts to integrate practice and research. Framing the profession's commitment to evidence-based practice as an ethical and accountability issue, our guests, both long-term practitioners and academics, look back and then forward at social work's response to the science of social work practice. Citing the controversy related to qualitative versus quantitative research, they argue that synthesizing knowledge across research traditions is the desired goal. Further, our guests comment on the factors that complicate practitioners' adoption of evidence-based practices, what the struggle is for those in the trenches of practice, and finally, they acknowledge the professional dynamics that limit social work research and who gets to initiate the questions that get studied. Jean Anastas, PhD, LMSW, ACSW, is professor at the Silver School of Social Work, New York University, where she teaches in the MSW, PhD, and DSW programs. Recently, she was the president of NASW. She has published on the science of social work, epistemology and practice, the mental health needs of low-income pregnant teens, doctoral education and teaching and social work, and a range of women's issues. Cynthia Franklin, PhD, LCSW, is the Sternberg Spencer Family Professor in Mental Health and Assistant Dean for the PhD program at the School of Social Work at the University of Texas at Austin. Dr. Franklin also holds a faculty fellow appointment at the Meadows Center for Preventing Educational Risk in the Department of Special Education. She is the current Editor-in-Chief for the Encyclopedia of Social Work, has over 150 publications in professional literature, and is the author of several books. Dr. Franklin's research examines the practice and effectiveness of solution-focused brief therapy with children and adolescents. Over the past 25 years, Dr. Franklin has worked as a therapist, consultant, trainer, and researcher for schools and mental health agencies. Our guests were interviewed in March of 2016 by our own Dr. Tom Nahaiski, PhD research professor here at the UB School of Social Work. He also wouldn't mind if I mentioned he is a Marine Corps veteran. We'd like to mention that this episode contains some background distortion that is due to technical problems we experienced while recording. Thanks, and we hope you like the podcast. I am Tom Nahaiski. I'm a research professor here at the University at Buffalo, and I'm the person who will be trying to guide us through this. 
And I will let you folks do your introductions now. So I guess, Jean, if you want to go first. Hi, I'm Jean Anastas. I'm a professor at New York University's Silver School of Social Work. And I became formally interested in these issues during the time that I was serving as president of NASW. I'm Cynthia Franklin, and I'm the Sternberg Spitzer Family Professor in Mental Health and also the Assistant Dean for Doctoral Education at the University of Texas at Austin. And these are issues I've really been interested in throughout my career as they've evolved in social work over time. But I see some similar themes to work I've done all along, as Jean mentioned, and that would be, you know, how to integrate practice and research together. Okay, so I'll start with a question that kind of tries to get at the way you became involved with this. So how did each of you become concerned with practitioners' views on these issues? And that being evidence-based practice and science of social work issues. Well, I can speak to that. And I was originally trained as a clinical social worker, even at the MSW level in the scientist-practitioner model. It was really emphasized to me at that time, and I guess I really took it to heart that, you know, these issues are not just issues of science, but they're issues of, of really ethics and accountability for our profession so that practitioners, you know, of social work have a very important public duty to be able to provide the very best practices to our clients. And so, in my training, in my MSW training, that was important to me. And then in my own practice experience working with clients, I saw the need for social workers to learn the best practices that were available in helping clients. And I worked a lot as a researcher once I came into academia, really working with practitioners in the field who had developed innovative practices in clinics. And one of the models I worked with was the solution-focused brief therapy approach. And my work with the people that developed that model convinced me even more that it was important for practitioners, you know, their views to move forward into the research. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you about this being an important issue. I always try to reinforce this with my master's students as well, that it's important for them to understand the impact they're having on their clients. And the only way to do that is to collect data to see what's going on with your client and be consistent about that process. So I try to do that as well. So that's interesting. And I also like your idea about the solution-focused stuff, but I'll, I'll save that for potentially another talk. <laughs> Please, Jean, go ahead. While I am not a direct practitioner myself, rather I'm an academic, it happens that I, my career has been teaching in schools that have been clinically focused, that is to say, emphasizing direct practice in their education. And first of all, I value direct practice in social work because that is what most social workers are doing, according to all of the surveys that you want to look at. And I began my, well, for many years, I taught research and was struggling with some of the same issues or trying to address some of the same issues you mentioned, Tom, about helping students to see that we had a professional obligation to be responsible in our practice and to care most about what happens to the people we serve as a result of our serving them. Then when I became president of NASW a few years ago, it was because of that position that I was invited to one of the annual retreats 
that has been happening over the last five or six years where the topic of the social work science is being addressed in some length and depth. When I presented there, it was to point out that I was there representing practitioners and that there were not practitioner voices in that discussion and tried to suggest a number of ways for what I was calling affecting a rapprochement or a better rapprochement between the world of practice and the world of science and research. And I have remained involved in the Islandwood discussions since then. Again, interesting responses, and I appreciate that. So let me then move to the next question, and that's the, while evidence-based practice is today's buzzword, what has been the recent history of research on practice in social work? I can speak to that. I'm really, really amazed at how far our research has come over my career. You know, I've been a practicing social worker for now more than 25 years. And I can tell you that our research has really grown during that time. And I was really happy to see recently that Bruce Thayer published a systematic review in the Research on Social Work Practice, where he actually found 740 studies, you know, that were conducted by social work researchers that were RCTs, that's random clinical trials. You know, really remarkable to me is how many of those existed in cross-disciplinary journals and how many social work researchers were really working interprofessional teams or interprofessional settings and, you know, how far our, our research had really reached out beyond social work. And I work a lot, you know, with doctoral students now. And what I see, you know, even working even with clinical MSW students or MSW students in general, that when they're very young, even before they want to come to the doctoral program, when they're just thinking about the doctoral program, is a real interest in building the research on social work practice. And so I see that as a turning point for our field. And this is something that Jean and I have had uh, discussions about, and that's why I really appreciated her leadership when she was the NASW president, because I think our field is making a turn toward interest in, in research and use of evidence-based practices. And I see the younger students, both in MSW and doctoral programs, and the practitioners in the field being much more interested in it than they were in past generations. And I would like to mention that uh, Cynthia t is truly an intellectual leader in our field of social work. She edits the Encyclopedia of Social Work, for example, and really has a good overview of knowledge in the field entirely and has been entrusted with that work because she is such a sound thinker and scholar on her own. Thank you, Jean. I appreciate that. I have a kind of a follow-up to that because, again, as I work with both doctoral students and master's level students. And one of the things that always comes out is that when you start talking RCT, it focuses heavily on quantitative approaches. And what I find is that a lot of the, especially the master's students, like the qualitative approach. So how do you see that potentially being folded into uh, research on practice in social work when we're starting to talk about evidence-based practice? Well, I actually see the evidence, and I'll let Jean speak to this too, because she has written widely on epistemologies in our field and the different uses of research and is really one of the scholars that, that thinks about that and has contributed even to doctoral education in this area. 
But from my viewpoint, you know, I believe the evidence-based practice really is open to all kinds of knowledge. And I think that's one thing. When you really follow evidence-based practice, you have to be willing to synthesize knowledge across research traditions. And that would be both quantitative and qualitative methods. And I see the field moving that way. I do a lot of work in systematic reviews and meta-analysis. And even in that field, there is more and more emphasis on being able to integrate the different types of research into those reviews. That's kind of what I would say to my students as well. <laughs> May I say a word on that quantitative versus qualitative issue? One of the things that the discussions of a science of social work have been very clear about is that any science in social work would be a multi-method science. That is to say, it would involve both quantitative and qualitative modalities of, of, of inquiry, and each as appropriate. And when it comes to syntheses, there is now a literature, in fact, on how to synthesize findings from qualitative studies as opposed to the meta and analytic methods that are used with quantitative studies, especially RCTs. And I'm doing such a review right now and on a body of work on teenage pregnancy, for example, and it's, it's very illuminating and very helpful to synthesize what a number of qualitative studies have found. That's interesting. I would like to hear more about that at some other time because, again, that's what we try to tell our students is that you need to use and choose the approach that's best for your research question. And if it's a qualitative research question, then that's what you should use. So it's just interesting trying to fold that stuff in. And again, you know, the mixed methods approach and how to use qualitative within the context of a quantitative approach potentially or vice versa is really an interesting discussion. And we should also mention, I think, that mixed method research is very much in vogue at this point in time. Yes. In fact, NIAAA looks for some mixed method research as you write proposals for it. So I agree. Yes. I think the mixed methods and the use of qualitative research is really not, and I agree with Jean that way, it's not in the question in our field anymore. I'm glad to hear she's doing this qualitative you know, synthesis, and I think more and more people are doing that in our field. And, you know, even in my own experience, you know, I'm looking at methods now where you can not only synthesize RCTs or quasi-experimental designs, but qualitative and quantitative research so that you can get a better view of the knowledge in, in a, a particular area. Yeah, it's certainly a good approach to get at the mechanisms of change, which will help us develop better intervention. So I agree. That's that's interesting stuff. Yes, that's exactly. It's interesting that you had mentioned the mechanisms of change, Tom, because in the research study I was involved in recently, that's exactly how we were using it. You know, but we were using a meta-summary approach to look at both quantitative and qualitative studies that dealt with process outcome research and solution-focused brief therapy. And what do you think are the major concerns of practitioners when it comes to evidence-based practice? Well, I can give my ideas about that. And, you know, I know Jean works a lot with um, uh, students and practitioners and, you know, probably can chime in here too. But I think that one of the things that I hear from MSW students these days is maybe they haven't had enough opportunities to learn the evidence-based interventions in MSW programs. And I know that that's a concern also other people, even in the Institute of Medicine, for example, is interested in making sure our practitioners learn evidence-based practices and how to uh, deliver those to clients. 
But I also hear that they like the evidence-based practices because of what they have to offer. And so when they're actually taught those practices, they can be very, very happy about it. Some other, other criticisms, though, is that some of the approaches, when they actually get out in the field, or when you talk to practitioners, are too prescriptive, you know, are not flexible enough. They're development researchers, you know, with research protocols and treatment manuals and so forth. They're not flexible enough for the practice communities. And one of the things that is a concern, of course, that researchers are trying to address now is they haven't been tested on ethnic racial groups or SES groups, or they might be forced upon populations when there's really not enough evidence for them with those populations yet. And that certainly has a, a larger advocacy concern to social work practitioners. And, but those are some things I hear frequently, along with the fact that they're some practices can be very expensive to and um, proprietary, and it's difficult for uh, social work practitioners to sometimes avail themselves to these practices as a result of that. Yeah, I hear that from a lot of folks we work with in agencies and stuff like that, where we have trainings and they're handed manuals. And that's some of the issues they raise as well, is it's not flexible enough for our clients be able to do different things with them and so on and sometimes you can see their points but on the other hand sometimes they're just too quick to do that they're not sold enough to give the therapy a chance they just jump to the conclusion it's not yeah i think that some of that you know too and you know now speaking more to the clinical training of students and my involvement in that through the years is that i think some students don't realize, or maybe the training hasn't been good enough in the evidence-based practices, to realize how to make these practices more comfortable to them. You know, they don't realize that really the practices, any kind of intervention has to have good relationship management skills, for example, with clients. And so some of the core things they learned in social work school have to be a part of these interventions and in fact are, even though they might be following a a, a treatment protocol. So I don't know if some of the students sometimes may feel somewhat intimidated by the practices and maybe don't have enough connecting points or, you know, connect the dots between what they're learning in their often very humanistically based social work classes and then some of these more behavioral and more concrete kind of evidence-based practices. If I could speak to just briefly, not to students, but to what I hear from practitioners, is often these evidence-supported treatments are not chosen by the practitioners or the practitioners don't have input into what ESTs might be best for their particular population, but a particular model is imposed, let's say, by a funder, either public or private, mm -hmm. as what this agency shall be doing. And that is... I think nobody likes a kind of top-down communication without even exploring what the point of view of the people who are going to be implementing the practice is because they may well be quite expert about the populations they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. That's a real good point. I agree. The top-down method just does not seem to work when it comes to implementing practices. And the best translational science you know, points that out. Yes, Really, the practitioners should be involved from the bottom up with the, even the designing of the interventions, and that's a much better way. Yep. Okay. Having talked a bit about practitioner views, what do you mean by the science of social work? 
John Brecke, an eminent scholar from the University of Southern California, really began a conversation in research circles within social work several years ago, and he was based on this topic of science of social work. Basically, his main arguments for putting more emphasis on science within social work He was saying we should identify as a science, just as psychology, nursing, and other professional fields do, that we should be more formally defining social work science so that we can coalesce a professional identity around that. And he's made a number of attempts to talk about aspects, what should and should not be, in his view, part of a social work science. He has, as I said before, said it was to be multi-method, but bottom line, I think those who advocate this are most concerned with enhancing the prestige of the social work profession in an era in which science is valorized in the culture as a whole. I agree with what Gene is saying, and I think it's a a continuation of an old narrative in social work, also where we're trying to prove our worth against other professions that goes back to the Flexner myth, you know, in our field. I think that's important to continue to enhance our field, but at the same time, I think what's neglected in that conversation sometimes is already recognizing how far the social work practitioners have come. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a discussion I always have with my doctoral students, and it always turns interesting. It is ongoing, and again, a lot of it does come down to increasing prestige for social workers that sit on teams and potentially increasing their impact on those teams. It comes down to that, so I agree with what you're saying and the fact that it should be a mixed methods, but again, it should be specific to what social workers do, so I think that's important. Okay, why is science a better concept than research? Well, I have a number of answers to that, and again, working off something Cynthia said earlier, just yesterday I was sitting with a doctoral student who was conflating the terms empirical with quantitative research. And research does get simplified in many minds to mean that quantitative research is all that we need when I believe we need all kinds of methods of inquiry in social work so that we can learn best. So science, unlike how people think about research, science is conducted in the empirical world, but it is not only empirical, and it's perhaps not even most importantly empirical. It really includes emphasis on theory, which has to do with how you interpret any findings you have from any kind of inquiry. And uh, I think what may be most problematic for practitioners sometimes is that science does involve the notion of uncertainty in that we hold our state of the knowledge to be the best we can do at this point in time. And obviously, if you look over history, you know, the same world has been explained in many different ways. And I think often, especially new practitioners, want something that is definite, that they don't have to worry about whether or not it's true. They can just accept it and go from there because they're still struggling to really find their own personal grounding in the world of practice. So I think the uncertainty inherent in science, that is to say holding all knowledge lightly, can be one of the points of tension between science and practice as differing enterprises. Yeah, and that tends to be one of the things that people point to is actually to negate research is that uncertainty. I get that from a lot of clinicians that, well, research says this one day and says this another day. 
So, yeah, it's something that, as a researcher, I struggle with trying to convince practitioners about the uncertainty of science. So, good point. I think that's a great point. Cynthia, you want to say anything to that? or? Well, I really got the thumbs up to what you and Jean are, are talking about, about science and the difference between science and research and how it's a broader broader concept. And I guess the thing that always comes to my mind is that, and sometimes I communicate to some of the doctoral students as well, is that really science is a creative enterprise. And sometimes it's not viewed that way when it's thought about, you know, just in the in the lens of uh, quantitative research. And I think it does ask us to entertain more fluidity of knowledge like you were talking about. But that is also a part of practice, you know, being able to be open-minded to your clients and following the client and beginning where the client is. That's all a creative or open-minded kind of process as well. I agree. Good points. Good points. All right. Gene, in 2013, you wrote a column in the NASW News about the science of social work. Why did you do that? Well, in addition to wanting to be accountable to our membership, because as I said, I was at the meetings owing to my role at the time as president of NASW, I was concerned that this whole conversation that was happening in the academic realm the people in the field as a whole didn't know it was taking place and didn't know anything about the nature of the conversation. So I felt responsibility to inform our members. When I wrote that piece, I did something innovative in that I invited any social worker who happened to read it to just send me an email and commenting on it one way or the other. And if we have a minute, I really can identify four themes that came through in NASW members' responses. The first, of course, was that science is helpful and that social work would be more effective if we had a stronger scientific base. And as another writer commented, because we have an obligation to our patients, families, and communities to practice based on proven results. However, there was a quite different theme, which was sort of the second strain of comment that I saw in the responses, which was that innovations in practice need study. In other words, it's typically a researcher approaching a practice agency or a group of practitioners to answer questions generated by the researchers. As one person wrote, we are trying to generate practice-based evidence, which is also called PBE, on the work we already do, which relates to the third thing, which was, I need help that social workers really knew that they needed the help of researchers as consultants in the design of research, in doing the research, and they also needed funding to do research on practice innovations. By the way, a view important in Europe, this issue of using social work science to look at practice innovation has gotten a fair amount of traction. Finally, the last thing was the problems they saw with social work science. And of course, some people said, as would be predictable, that social work is molded both by science and art. And another concern that was raised was researchers, and I'm going to quote here, researchers seek to pound a nomothetic square peg into an ideographic round hole, <laughs> meaning, you know, you can have a group result of significantly better outcomes in an RCT or a quasi-experiment 
that's an average. That doesn't tell you how each and every individual client is going to respond to a particular intervention, and not all are going to respond as well as others. So this is the problem for practitioners. They are dealing with individual cases and having to make a decision about what's going to work in this very particular situation. And findings from averages of groups don't tell you everything you need to know about that. Yeah, and that's actually an argument that's being made now, even within the quantitative realm, where they're moving from group-centered to person-centered types of analyses. So it seems like, you know, it's starting to spread, and those are really great points. There are also issues, I think, where at least when we try to do some research and we try to integrate the qualitative-quantitative into a mixed methods, a lot of times that's what we will look at is within the context of a small qualitative study, okay, it worked for these guys, why did it work, why didn't it work for these guys, and go into more in-depth kinds of approaches around qualitative analyses, trying to study those specific factors to determine how we might change the intervention to better suit those that it didn't work for. And I see I went on to question eight, and I rolled the two together. But, you know, Cynthia, you were present when we did the workshop on this at NASW a conference ago, and I wonder if you have anything to add on on your impressions from the responses. Well, one thing I wanted to add is I just wanted to thank Jean at the time, but I think it was a very good conversation that she opened up, and I was glad that she was really thoughtful enough about the fact that researchers could be up here doing this and the practitioners didn't know about it to open that up to practice practitioners. And we did do this workshop, and I guess one of the things I was taken by the workshop was how well attended it was, because the practitioners had to pay to come to this workshop on the science of social work, and there was a large group, I think more than 30 people, that paid to come to it. And so I think that shows like the interest in it. And uh, Jean and I did try to collect some other information from people that came and at the conference. And uh, one of the things, I read through those questionnaires again recently, And I guess one of the things that really struck me was with one of the points that Jean was making in her themes is that they were asking for a lot of help with their individual practices. So they would name populations like people that have trauma or other populations, and they would describe their work setting. And they would say that they wanted help, you know, being able to have more evidence-based practices in those settings. And I think that speaks to the individualization that they're looking for in learning these practices and also for the researchers to be able to speak to the field a little bit more like that. Okay. Some years ago in one of her book titles, Sandra Harding famously asked, whose science, whose knowledge? How might this question be answered with respect to evidence-based practice? Well, this is an important question, you know, and I think one that, that's been written about a lot in the field and that, you know, Jean has specifically spoken to this related to the science of social work. I guess from my perspective, it's an important question because knowledge is contextual and, you know, it doesn't exist without some kind of values framework around it. And we certainly, as social workers, need to look at this. Who produces the knowledge? What kind of epistemologies guide the knowledge? And how might a powerful people use the knowledge in ways that might be helpful or not helpful or might even marginalize our clients? And so I guess what I'm saying is that when we teach uh, researchers or even practitioners about being consumers of knowledge or developers of knowledge, they also need to be able to think about what knowledge is and how it's constructed. And that's certainly what I try to teach my students in the 
doctoral theories class that I teach, for example. All right. And Gene, I would ask the same question of you, except with respect to the science of social work. Again, like Cynthia, I would like to commend you for bringing Sandra Harding's penetrating question into the discussion because it is a very, very important issue to consider. Stated most bluntly, those of us in the academic and research community make our careers basically on studying often disadvantaged and marginalized populations. And the question is, what do they directly gain from participation in the research? Usually not very much directly although hopefully it guides knowledge that will benefit them and their communities in the future. On the other hand, we are the ones who reap all the benefits from doing the work. And this has been criticized by people in indigenous studies, by feminists, by people in critical race studies, and so forth. So it's something I think we really do need to consider. I once had a dean say to me that anytime she brought up evidence-based practice in her faculty meetings, there would also be an outcry that that was essentially marginalizing communities of color because typically these interventions are normed on, just like most experiments are conducted in very specialized groups, often white groups, European Americans and so forth, and we don't always know how well they translate to a different culture and people who define themselves differently. I would say also that it underscores the point of, that I've been trying to make, that the practitioners who are not academics are really not at the table here, and that puts them in a one-down position. Yeah, good point. Given the discussion we've had, what new directions do you see for more fully including practitioners in both the evidence-based practice and the science of social work? I mean, I think there's a lot of areas, but I see three core areas that, that are going on in social work and in research sciences in general. And one of those is, is what Jean mentioned earlier, the translational sciences. And I think as researchers are, are really being asked to grapple with these questions more of how do we get this knowledge to be relevant and not just benefiting the researchers? You know, how do we get it down to practice communities and even more importantly, the clients serve that these translational sciences are creating new models of science in which you know practice communities are becoming more involved in the design of interventions and in the research enterprise. And I think that's a very important and I guess promising area of development. And then one other area I see is just really the emphasis that we have with the integrated healthcare with the interprofessional teamwork that's going on now that allows social workers to contribute brought more broadly in the health and medical settings and other settings where they work more with other disciplines. I think we've always been a transdisciplinary field, but I think that's being emphasized a lot more with the interprofessional teams. And then the third thing is the grand challenges, which are quite grand, but I think they do bring attention to the fact that our research can solve significant social problems. And I think that appeals to practitioners. And I hope that will also be an avenue for where which practice and research might come together. Just to make a brief comment on what you just said, Cynthia, one of the things that in the science of social work discussion we have been trying to focus on is the fact that despite their different ways of going about it, researchers, scientists on the one hand and practitioners on the other hand, all share the same social justice aims and the same 
desire to be of assistance to people, especially those who are marginalized and oppressed and so forth. Mm-hmm. And that's something we have in common, and we need to make more noise about that important commonality. This is a totally pie-in-the-sky suggestion, but I wonder what social work research and science would look like if it were practitioners identifying the scientific agenda for social work scholars going forward. Right now, of course, it tends to be funders who are emphasizing what kinds of things they'd like to study in their RFPs and so forth. But I would imagine that there would be some very creative ideas for research and scholarship coming out of the practice community. And some way or another, I'd like to hear from them about that. My second observation is that, and I've said this in my arguments about a better rapprochement, I think researchers ought to use theories that practitioners are familiar with and that they use in their own practice. And I've mentioned such things as attachment theory, trauma theory. These are all things that practitioners call on commonly in what they do. And they have an empirical base, but a lot of times researchers come in with conceptual frameworks that, again, are not coming out of the everyday experience of of practitioners, but are coming forth for other reasons. And finally, I think this is really a challenge to all of our national social work organizations. We have bunches of different conferences a year in the profession. There's even a move to try to unify them at this point. But we have no conference at all that tries to bring scientists and researchers together with practitioners or even leaders in practice on an even footing to really trade ideas about what is needed for a social work research agenda. And I'm sorry that no one has stepped up to the plate to do that. Maybe it needs to start on a smaller scale, whatever. But I think right now there is no organized forum in the field for social workers working in those two worlds, which overlap to some extent but are different in others, to really talk and most importantly listen. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point. I know that I would love to see that happen. The problem will be is convincing on both sides, actually, convincing the two groups to come together. But then again, from a science standpoint and from a researcher standpoint, we tend to not talk in practitioner terms. And sometimes that's an issue. So I think we need to learn that from a research side. And I think if we can get better at that, we might have more practitioner involvement. Uh, The listening is a good point you know, that way, being able to listen to the practitioners and value what they have to say, you know. and There are times when students don't want to listen to yeah. the scientific evidence, for example. So yeah. it takes listening on both sides. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Well, you guys have any other parting thoughts that you would like to leave? Well, Tom, just thank you for doing this. I'd just like to also thank you for putting this forward, you know, this kind of conversation. And I hope both practitioners and researchers will listen to it and then we'll come to some other discussions, just like Jean's NASW article did. And I, too, want to thank you, Tom. You and the team, I think, helped put together, organize this very well. And uh, as a result of everybody's work ahead of time, I think it's been a wonderful conversation, at least for me, to be a part of. You have been listening to Dr. Jean Anastas and Dr. Cynthia Franklin discuss the science of social work on In Social Work.
Hi, I'm Nancy Smith, Professor and Dean of the University at Buffalo School of Social Work. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We look forward to your continued support of the series. For more information about who we are as a school, our history, our online and on-the-ground degree in continuing education programs, we invite you to visit our website at www.socialwork.buffalo.edu. And while you're there, check out our Technology and Social Work Resource Center. You'll find it under the Community Resources menu.